Hello and welcome. I'm Jules B., your host of Behind the Labels, a label-free podcast premium production. Go with me behind the scenes as I dive into the lives of our guests. Each episode will feature unconventional questions that invoke joy, sorrow, and sometimes silence. Come on in, take a seat, and let's start this conversation. All right, Patty, welcome to Behind the Label, uh, a label-free podcast production. I am so happy to be speaking with you today because we are going to talk about a little bit, just a little bit. We're going to talk more about you, Patty, just so that you know. But I want people to know that you are a financial coach. You have a combined, uh, you know, expertise of 20 years as a financial advisor and a mortgage advisor, and you like to have conversations with women. So you decided to go ahead and pursue your dream of financial coaching for women because you are a teacher at heart. Now, you and I know, as you said, understanding money can be overwhelming, not just for anybody, but for everybody. So you're passionate about what it is that you do, and you what you do now has been a catalyst that have allowed you to follow that passion in educating women on their financial journey. So you are a certified executive coach, you're a certified life coach, you're a real estate, you have your real estate broker's license, and you've published at least four books. I hope I'm not missing any because that's what was sent to me. So I know you all feel like chocolate. As a matter of fact, you <laughs> a chocoholic. You love to read and if somebody asks where your happy place is, you'll probably always tell them that it's at the beach. So that's what I got from you, Patty. What else would you like to add to what I found out about you? You, uh, you nailed it. Good job. Yeah, the checkaholic part is probably the most important part, right? <laughs> you know, chocolate is a girl's best friend. And I tell him, no diamonds, scoot over for a second, you know. Let me grab my chocolate. I'll get oh, that diamonds later, right? Oh, that makes me rush day happy. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, Patty, you know, with you being a a an expert in the financial department, what yeah. would you say for you to get to this point where you are now has been the most expensive lesson you've had to learn? And it doesn't have to be about finance because Currency is not the only lesson that you can learn, and it'd be expensive. Yeah, absolutely. By, I, I would have to say not trusting my intuition, um, not trusting my own inner voice. I feel like, um, you know, after I was divorced and I was, you know, raising my son, he was 18 months old when I went through my divorce, the, um, the mode was survival. And the mode was just, you know, raising him, loving him, taking care of him also trying to make a living. Um, and it was just a lot of, a lot of grind and hustle. And if I had slowed down enough and I had, um, taken a little bit more time for self care, I would have heard myself and my intuition and my voice. Um, and I would have made probably better decisions in regards to things that I had done. And some of that was investing decisions. Um, I would tell people that they should not make any kind of financial decisions where in the, when they're in the midst of an emotional or traumatic, you know, crossroads, because um, you can never make a good decision when, when emotions are high. Um, but, but just self-care piece, you know, that, that just 
finding that finding that time to slow down, um, taking care of 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 me and and that and that you know again that that stillness that we all need. Uh, that was probably the most expensive. And you know, thank God I didn't have um, you know major health issues, and I was uh, I was able to you know be with my son and and also work. Um, but you know, it was it was quite a journey. It was it was quite a ride. Yeah. So if you don't mind answering this next question, and this is about like married couples, right? Would you say that when it comes to divorce and maybe your divorce, that the finances played a big role in it? Because they talk about about how much finance plays a role in divorce. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's number one. But yeah, it's pretty high up there though. Um, yeah, it definitely is a uh, a factor in in divorce. Um, I think that in my particular marriage it, it was not, but okay. um it it was um in fact I was the money manager of the household. I was the one that did the investing and managed the money. My husband didn't know anything and he was like, Okay, you take care of it. I'm like, Okay. And it was all it was all fine. That wasn't the the issue with us. Um okay. however, yes, the uh, I think money is is number two, um, because the stress that it creates in a relationship. Um, there's a different point of view when it comes to money. Oftentimes, between the spouses, you know, one's a spender, one's a saver. Um, one might be, you know, more stressed about finances. The other one's like, ah, well, we'll be fine. You know, everything is good. So it's that it's that disconnect that is the problem. And then when they get into a situation where they have debt. They have this, you know, monumental task ahead of them. One lives with a job, you know, and there's and there's that those there's those are the stressors of life that magnifies. I don't want to say dysfunction, but you know, it can sometimes be that dysfunction in the marriage. It just makes things very, very magnified. Um, uh-huh. So yes, money is definitely a factor, no doubt. So do you think that both persons in a marriage should know about money, or do you think it's best? that one handle the money and the other one make the money. Because now, like for instance, your husband, you said that it wasn't a part of, you know, you the reason why you got a divorce. So your husband said you managed it. And it worked as far as finances were concerned. Mm-hmm. Because you had taken the time to learn about finances, be an expert in finances. And I always tell my friends that men are protectors and women are multipliers. Mm-hmm. when they're in a relationship like mm-hmm. you man by your house then you make it a home when mm-hmm. the man press the seed you you bear the child right mm-hmm. and so if a man gives generally woman a woman a good woman money she will multiply it there mm-hmm. was a rapper who went to to jail and he went in with a million dollars when he came out his his girl had made more of it and while he was locked up so people don't realize that, yeah, men are protectors, but women are multipliers when mm-hmm. giving the tan, when knowing what's taking the time to know what it is that they're doing, and serious about going ahead and staying on the path to have a stable and secure life. So I didn't know if you thought, with you being a financial expert, that, oh, you both should know about the money, because sometimes it, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, I am um, of the mindset that 100% both spouses need to be involved with those decisions. Now, they don't both need to be the ones who mechanically pay the bills. 
and mechanically do the investments, but both should know the status of their current situation. So both should know where all the assets are, all the passwords for the accounts, um, if they're, you know, cash flowing, if they're tight, if they're paying down their debt, if they're incurring more debt, if their investments are doing well, how are they allocated? All of that needs to be a joint decision. And, you know, the unfortunate reality is that life happens. And whether it's the husband or the wife, if something happens and the, suddenly one of them is gone, um, like if I, in the case of my marriage, if, if I had passed away, my husband would have been in a role of hurt. And, you know, that was many years ago. And, you know, would have, should have, could have. It, it, it worked out for us from the financial piece. But for others, you know, I've, I've seen many situations where women come to me and their husbands passed away or asked for a divorce suddenly. And they're like, I don't even know where to start. I didn't ever manage anything. I didn't know what, you know, where our assets were. And I'm just overwhelmed. And those, that common theme has been recurring over and over. So, yes, happily married, you need, I mean, married, whatever you are, you need to work together. And I often say, you know, once a quarter, maybe once every six months, have a money date and go out to dinner and have a nice glass of wine and just have a nice conversation um, and, and, and just catch up with finances. And it's a, you know, it's a 15-minute conversation. It's not a heavy-duty, oh, God, we got to look at our numbers now. It's like, okay, where are we at? How are things? Are we on track? Are we okay for our, our short-term goals, our long-term goals? And then that, that equality, that working together creates that synergy and that, that, that sense of, you know what, we're in this together and we're not fighting about, you know, this or that. And if they are in a situation where they've got some debt to deal with, they together, they work together to address that and they work together to, um, you know, plan to, you know, get that paid down or whatever it is that has to happen. Um, and that just builds the relationship even closer. I think that as they work together and they achieve that goal of being debt-free or buying a home or whatever it is that they're doing, that just creates more respect for each other and, and I, I think deepens the relationship. Yeah. So what would you say is the biggest myth people tend to have about what it is that you can do for them based off of your expertise when you take them on as a client? First and foremost, my clients need to be coachable. They have to want it. I cannot create something for them that they don't want for themselves. So um, if they expect me to come in and fix their financial situation or their life situation, I'm a life coach and a financial coach. So we deal with finances as well as life. So if a woman comes to me and says, I need help, um, you know, what do I do? We work together, you know, and make a plan to move forward. But my client has to do the activity. My client has to take the action and move forward with what I teach them. It's kind of like going into a gym and saying, I want to get super fit. I'm going to hire a personal trainer and expect him to get super fit by having the trainer work out. You know, it's like, no, you've got to get behind the weights. You've got to go on the treadmill. You've got to get out there and do the work. Then you will create the help. I will help guide you. I will teach you. I will tell you what to do, when to do it. I will hold you accountable. And we work together to achieve this healthy body. But I can do that workout for you. So yeah. It's, yeah. it's similar with me. It's like, we'll work together, but I'm not going to all the troubles go away by them sitting back and just watching. Yeah. So how often do you feel overwhelmed with what you're doing? Uh, not at all. Not at I, all. I, I love what I do. Yeah, I love I love the, the sense of being able to impact, you know, lives and, and it's it's very fulfilling and rewarding. So you've never said, what am I doing? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, because that's the point of being like, I'm not talking about overwhelmed where you're just like, I can't take it anymore, but it's like, okay. Well, what am I doing? 
Well, there's those days. I mean, as an entrepreneur, you certainly have those days. You know, you you sort of step back and go, oh, okay, this is getting kind of crazy. Um, and that's a roller coaster of an entrepreneur. I mean, I yeah. quite honestly, I mean, that's just the reality of it. Um, but I have those days where I like, oh, why doing the right thing here? But I always keep my why in in place. And my why is that I want to make this impact on these women. I know they need me. I know what I can deliver. And I know that as they work with me, they will have transformation. And that is just the, the beautiful thing. So yeah. that, keeps, that keeps me going when I have those days where I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> so, um, I have those words like, real man, you're dead. Yeah. That's my word. I'll just say, I'll stop for a second, Patty, and I'll say, really? Okay. Yeah. Okay. And then keep going. So when you look at the financial world, what's a job that doesn't exist, but it should? Or maybe it's not utilized the way that it should be. Yeah, that's a great that's a great question. I would probably say, I'm not sure this is a job, but there there should be financial literacy taught in schools. Yeah, there should be you know that a that being very that's core curriculum. You know, let's take out. Uh, I'm, I don't want to offend teachers, but you know, let's take out. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean. Uh, I mean, there's some core curriculum that just isn't important. I mean, geometry, it's like, how often does, you know, just a, a parallelogram come into our lives, right? <laughs> it's like, maybe, you know, you might see it while you're building a house. <laughs> okay, okay. Well, if you're an architect, sure, I get that. But in reality, you know, let's ditch the geometry and bring in financial literacy. And, and, and other life, you know, there's life skills. There's, there's. You know how to shake a hand and and there's eye contact and how to do you know interviews and and how to talk to people um and how to be a good listener and and how to mirror people and i mean all these things that are life skills these are priceless things that if our kids have learned you know in junior high high school and college oh my gosh what a different world we'd have today right yes we would because instead of going to school and being told what to think we could go to school and learn how to think yeah, 100%. and so I think that because the the what is so prevalent in learning these days, and that's what keeps us dependable or dependent on other people telling us what to do. Mm-hmm. But if we learn how to think and how to work things out and how to analyze things and how to break things down, that how makes the world a, a different place because the mind is thinking in a different way. Mm-hmm. But it also will break some of these companies that are so dependent on that what mm-hmm. yeah so, i know yeah i i i totally agree yeah i totally i agree. agree with the the financial literacy especially because i think that when a, a baby is born or up until the point where you can have a bank account you need to start getting a bank account you need to start putting some money in there you need to start doing a whole bunch of stuff and a lot of times we hear, well, just wait till you get grown and have your own. <laughs> yeah, where, yeah. Or we should have been prepared for it. But tell me a little bit about your childhood, Patty. What was it in your childhood that you started to fancy the number day? Or did it happen a little bit later? Yeah, no, it was my childhood for sure. Um, my my dad was a very hardworking a brilliant man. He was a physicist, and my mom was an at-home mom. We had there's five kids. I'm number three of five, and okay. so she had her hands full with with the five of us. And because there were so many kids, and we were on a single income, 
whenever we wanted something of our own or something extra, you know, my parents would say, you need to figure out a way to make your own money if you want, if you mm-hmm. want that. So at a very young age, I remember this distinctly. I, it was about probably nine year, eight or nine years old. Um, we lived in Sherman Oaks. And if you're familiar with the San Francisco Valley yeah. up in the hills, where I, okay, so we're about three hours, or three, three miles from any store. And I was, you know, a talkaholic <laughs> and I still am. Um, and I, I loved my candy. And I knew that kids in my neighborhood also wanted candy, but getting down to, you know, three miles away was not an easy task. So um, I started a little candy business in my garage and we had a refrigerator in the garage, an extra one. And so I would store my candy in there. And then I graduated to ice cream bars. And I had a little store and I, that was my first entrepreneurship little kind of thing that I started. So I had the, I had the seed of entrepreneurship very young and because I earned my own income, I respected my income and I learned to manage it really well. And, um, then I started to, you know, have this desire to want to learn how to make more and, and save and invest. And it sort of just grew from there. Um, but because I was taught that if I wanted something, it's up to me. That was that was kind of the, the the seed that was planted that got me to this entrepreneur kind of mindset, which I which I loved, and the love of understanding money and investing and and that and that world. Yeah, because your parents taught you how. Yeah, because you asked, okay, if that's what you want to do, then you need to figure out how you're going to get that. Yeah, yeah. So it it I I I don't know if your parents are still living, but bravo to them. You know, yeah, yeah, thank you. They it is my, my dad passed away in 2020. Um, my mom is still with us, but she has advanced dementia, so she is with us, but not. And uh, thankfully, she still knows me, but um, yeah, but no, I'm I was always telling them, you know, you taught. In fact, I my um dedication on two of my books were to them, and just you know, they taught me so much, and yeah, uh, yeah, my, my mom has advanced dementia, and mm. so. My mother-in-law has dementia, and I take care of both. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, I yeah, I take care of both of them. So, well, you know, I in order for me to go ahead and be more accepting of it, Patty, I had to just chalk it up to the fact that they're making new memories, and every mm-hmm. now and then they remember mm-hmm. the old ones. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, when they remember the old ones, those are are good days. When they make the new ones. It's still good days. I yeah. just have to put myself in a position where I realize these are just new memories because of the disease. Yes. Yeah, good for you. That's a, that's a great way to look at it. Um, I also uh, have come to the place where I recognize that, and it helps me to just stay very present, her um, reality is that exact moment in time, mm-hmm. that that present moment. So... If I'm with her for five minutes or for five hours, that the, that time is her reality. And I can be there for an hour and, you know, be driving home five minutes later um, and to forget that I was there. So it's that it's that importance of being present. And that, again, it, it, it's important in my life. It's like, no, let's just stay present. I can't worry about the past. I can't worry about the future. And I've got to have some thoughts and have those you know, I just can't ignore the past or the future, but staying present. So when I'm present with her, um, it just makes that time with her that much more special. But oh, it's it's a it's a gut wrenching uh, disease. I mean, it's just one of those things that will yeah take, take you down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it it can take a lot out of you. 
but I'm just glad that I'm able to be there. So yeah, I tend to focus more so on that than the fact that this disease has my mother or mm. mother-in-law because mm-hmm. I had her for so many years before that. So no matter what mm-hmm. happens with this disease, this disease will never be able to, you know, you will never be able to say that this disease had her longer than we did. Mm. And that's just the way that I look at it. But here's one last question here for you, Patty. Sure. If you could relive one day in your life, and this is something that I ask everyone, you couldn't change it. You could only experience it again. What day would that be for you and why? Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, so many, so many thoughts. I would probably say the day my son was born. Okay. Um, just because I want to experience it again. I want to just like, you know, I want that, that, that feeling again. That's on a positive note. So is your question more directed like what would I want to change in a day or more of what I'd want to just repeat? When you ask I mean, like that. However you heard me is how you're going to answer. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say the, yeah, my, the, the, the year or the day that my son was born, I'd love to repeat just because it was such a magical, beautiful day. It's my miracle baby because we were trying for five years to get pregnant. We finally got pregnant by in vitro. So it was one of those truly miracle babies. And it was just such a, a beautiful day. So I would love to relive that again because it was fast and furious. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. At least it's a great memory. Everybody oh. does Yeah, everybody does say, well, oh, what you say. A lot of people want to go back to the last day that they got to speak with someone. Yeah, it, it, it went through my mind it was the day my dad passed away. That that did come into my mind, and that's why I kind of asked for a clarification on that question. I didn't know whether it was that, but yeah, I mean, if if it was from from a perspective of you know what I would do differently, it would be that you know the day my dad passed away. But if a day I'd like to repeat, it's it's yeah, my son's birth. So. Now, why would you do that day that your pat your dad passed away differently though? Um, I wouldn't been there. Oh, okay. I can understand that. Yeah. Yeah. You okay? Yeah. I was kind of late. That's tough. Yeah. Yeah, and I feel I feel I feel him with me always. So, and they, you know, I I, I hear that they say that. People will pass away when they are like they 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 won't pass away if somebody is in the room that they don't want to like they don't want to have that person go through that pain. So I think he passed away on purpose, knowing I wasn't there. Because if I was there, that would have been too. I mean, it was horrible as it is, but my two brothers were there, and the three sisters were just getting there. I mean, we were just minutes behind. When we got the call, the things things were going south. So, uh, I I think he purposely, you know, the boys, you know, the men could handle it, and uh, I think he felt safe at that moment. And uh, so, yeah, my my father, I had just come into town, and my sister had just left the hospital, and she said, "Dad, I'll be back. Are you going to be here?" And he shrugged his shoulder. Mm. Wow, he shrugged his shoulders. I don't know. 
Now, my dad had dementia, and so he was not that talkative at that time. But he shrugged his shoulders and said, I don't know. He got that out. I I pulled up at the house. She was pulling up at the same time. We got out the car. It was probably 11 o'clock at night. We went in the house, said a couple words, and... Then, um, three o'clock in the morning, she tapped me on the shoulder and said, we have to go, dad passed. And we got to the hospital and there he was. And we put a sign on him that said, heaven bound. And the last time we talked, um, my dad, I told him he was in a nursing home. And I said, dad, I'm about to go. And he had a moment. And I said, Dad, it's you. And he, because he called me Jew. He, I said, Dad, it's you. And he said, Jew, where have you been? Mm-hmm. You know, for that moment, he knew I said, in Chicago. And uh, I said, I'm going back now. And I love you, Dad. And he said, Jew, I've always loved you. Oh, yeah. That was the last thing my dad said to me. Oh, my God, that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, so I can understand those minutes make a difference. Mm-hmm. Those minutes make a difference. And so do the moments that we yet still have. So I thank you for this moment. I thank you for this conversation. I thank you for being open and honest and even vulnerable with me. You didn't have to tell me about your father, but you did. And for that, I appreciate you. That oh, all is you're welcome. Did you have any other questions for me? Because I don't have anything else for you. No, I think, I think, uh, yeah, I appreciate your conversation as well. And you're, you're great, uh, you're great questions for me. Enjoy the rest of this day. Blessings to you and yours, Patty. And Thank you. Likewise. Thank you. Keep in mind, we're not as divided as we are disconnected. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. I love it. Yes. <laughs> All right. Take care. Thanks, Dills. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Behind the Labels, a label-free podcast premium production. We hope this conversation has reminded you of the power of your voice and the importance of taking the best steps to live a more fulfilled life. Make sure you like, follow, comment, and share. And for more content, check out the label-free podcast with our fabulous host, Deanna. And remember... We all have choices, we all have goals, we all make mistakes, but it doesn't have to be behind a label.